The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. This is not the Code of Conduct with the King podcast, but this is a special edition of the Overreaction podcast, still brought to you by the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. I am your guest host, Jay Spencer King, and today I am filling in from my man, my partner in crime, Joe Miller. Joe Miller wired the smooth operator with the voice. And I am being joined today by Mr. Exclusive himself, none other than Mr. Bruce Nolan. So I hope you all enjoy this episode. I will not have a monologue for you guys. I'm just filling in. So uh, leave us some comments. Let us know how you feel. Go Bills. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? How is it going today? It is Sunday, April 11th, 2021. I am your boy, Jay Spence the King, and this is a very special edition of the Overreaction Podcast. So I am your guest host, along with my very special co-guest host, Mr. Exclusive himself. What is going on today, Bruce? Dude, it's a party all the time. Disco balls, dancers, the whole thing. (laughs) Every single week. So this is the second week in a row that that now we're filling in for my guy, my partner in crime, Mr. Joe, the smooth, buttery voice Miller. And uh, he will be back with us this week, I believe, for for um, the Hump Day Hotline, um, if I'm not mistaken. So you can all look forward to hearing from Joe again as he and his family travels back to Buffalo from I think he went to Disney World, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know. Everybody, everybody should go at least once. Uh, so tonight, Bruce and I have a, a very uh, fun episode lined up we're just going to kind of we're going to talk a little bit about the needs that we feel like are not being talked about we're going to kind of bounce some ideas off of everybody in the chat so we we do and would love some participation tonight uh so let's get started so uh bruce uh where would you like to start let's start off and, and make this comfortable for you well let's let's start by talking about the premise so the premise is that you start to kind of get into some draft fatigue at this point in the offseason We've done 400 million mock drafts at this point, and (laughs) we have sort of solidified ourselves to the point where you start seeing the same names over and over and over again, and everyone's pretty much said what they're going to say because free agency has a chance to change the narratives on needs for a team. So sometimes you go through and 
the off season is all about this and this and this. And then all of a sudden there's a big free agent move and it just changes the whole thing. It's a massive pivot for the entire off season. Last year, we saw that with the Buffalo Bills trading the 22nd overall pick for Stephon Diggs. And all of a sudden mock drafts look a lot different. And so yeah. this year, once free agency starts to kind of die down a little bit, draft mock season kind of swoops in and sucks up that vacuum. And instead of free agency talk, now it's draft, 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 draft. And <laughs> as you get to the about the middle part of April, it's like, okay, you know what? I've seen what I'm going to see. How many different ways do I have to say I'm not interested in a running back in the first round? Like, at what point <laughs> am I just tired? So I have people now who talk to me on social media and they're like, well, you don't like a running back? I'm like, listen, dude, I'm not going to, I'm not going into that again. I'm not going to. Here's some links. Here's some articles. Here's some copy and paste of other tweets. I am not going into it at this point. It's almost like people when they want to fight me that wins are a quarterback stat. At this point, I'm like, I'm tired, man. I've been fighting this thing for a decade. I'm tired. I don't want to do it anymore. Here's all the reasons why wins are a quarterback stat. Here's an article I wrote about it. Just no, I'm, I'm done. I'm not going to engage you anymore. I'm tired because for you, this may be the first time ever that you've had this conversation. But for me, this is the 920th time I've had this conversation. Well, draft season is a little bit like that. And at some point, you've said all the things you're going to say and you've done all the mocks you're going to do. And you think, gosh, what? Goodness gracious, you look down at your calendar and go, it's the 11th, Spence. I've still got two and a half weeks left. Until the draft, and you feel like you've exhausted every storyline. You feel like you've exhausted every mock draft tool you possibly can. All the narratives are dead, and there's no massive free agent moves that are going to spice up the opportunity at that point. So for me, it's one of those scenarios where, hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a discussion, you and me right now, on some under-the-radar needs something that wouldn't immediately pop up as being a goodness gracious, we have to address this. We're not going to talk about, you know, corner. We're not going to talk about running backs. I've done enough of that. We're going to talk about some other stuff that if the Bills draft one of these players in day one or day two, or even early day three, and you might think to yourself, goodness gracious, does that really feel a need? I did an entire podcast this past week about needs being deeper and broader than you think. Well, this is kind of, this is a nice capstone to that concept that there are some deeper needs and there's some opportunities to fill them in the draft. Well, so there are a few positions of need or not, I guess, not dire need as other positions as fans would like to say. So I think starting off, I think you and I would agree that both, we can still use some reinforcements on the offensive line. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that one of the things that has sort of lulled that narrative a little bit is the re-signing of John Feliciano, and I don't think it should. I don't think that the re-signing of John Feliciano should make this team or the fans of this team feel like somehow we're good on the offensive line. We don't have to do anything there moving forward. First off, John Feliciano's contract is a lot more manageable than it initially appeared, and it's certainly a lot more manageable than was initially projected by Track, which was $8 million a year, which I said was bonkers. Well, the actual contract is a lot closer to $5 million a year. And when you look at that and you think, you know, 
the Bills had a guy who was a swing offensive interior lineman named Spencer Long, and he was on a four-plus million-dollar contract. So it's not crazy to have John Feliciano and Cody Ford specifically have their spots up for grab. It's not insane to think that we can upgrade at that spot. And I think that we were thinking going into the offseason that maybe John Feliciano walking was an opportunity to upgrade. And then all of a sudden, he resigns and we just kind of dismiss the narrative. So I think that both Cody Ford and John Feliciano are players who can be upgraded from. And I think that if the Bills were to go with an interior offensive lineman day one or on day two, I think there's a reasonable chance they can usurp one of those players for a starting guard position. You know, and I also think um, with recency bias, as far as this position is concerned, I think fans have also kind of started to look at the signing of Forrest and Lamp as like, okay, so Brandon Bean, now we got, we got another second round, you know, previous second round pick, um, you know, for, as a guard. So we probably, we're probably set there. We got competition. We're not going that way. Listen, I forget who said this to me directly, but it was like the most honest and and the the best way to describe the situation. Uh, Forrest Lamp is, you know, or he was the Chargers version of Cody Ford. Like he was literally their second round pick who they expected to come in and develop and be the player that we expect Cody Ford to be. And it just didn't it, it just didn't pan out that way. Now, I'm not saying that he doesn't have the talent to come in here and and potentially and, you know, turn around and, and become one of the best guards that we've seen as of late. But the thing is, everybody does not have the same story as Daryl Williams. You know, when when you get one of those prove it deals, everybody doesn't come in and turn it around and say, yeah, go ahead and give me that extension now because I earned it. Now, would it be nice? Absolutely. It would be great if we if we got, you know, phenomenal play out of lamp and then Cody Ford woke up and decided to be awesome. So we have both guards and both tackle positions you know, just taken care of. I just don't think that's the likely option. So, so going into the draft and what you see still left in free agency, if you wanted to address that offensive guard position, what, where would you go? Before I even go into that, you just made a great point that I want to make sure I, I amplify. And that was the idea that you, you can't count on those one year deals turning into something. Sometimes they do. And Daryl Williams comes along and Quentin Spain comes along and they actually play well on those cheap deals. And that gives you an opportunity to sign him to extension. Now, obviously the Quentin Spain deal didn't end up working out for us. We ended up cutting him a couple games into his extension, but the opportunity exists, but that yeah. doesn't mean you count on the opportunity. So this is really important. And we do this all the time. What we do is we bank on ceiling, but ceiling by its own definition is something that doesn't occur all the time. Because if it did, we would just consider that the mean, but it's not. Ceiling is the absolute best case scenario for a player. So why on earth do we as fans assume ceiling? We just assume that every player is going to hit the ceiling. Now, I understand that Sean McDermott says, come here to Buffalo, become the best version of yourself. I, I get that. That's wonderful. And it's a great motto and it's a fantastic slogan. But this idea that every single player is going to reach their ceiling, if that was the case, we wouldn't call it a ceiling. We would just call it a normal expectation. But that's not what you do. You don't bank on ceilings. There's a risk management component to these things. When you acquire players and you acquire assets, there's a risk management component. You don't go ahead and just assume that they're going to maximize all their talents because the fact of the matter is they're probably not. 
The vast majority of players are not going to hit their ceilings. That's just the way this works. That's the reason why they call the draft a crapshoot is because you have high second round picks like Cody Ford and Forrest Lamp who don't meet potential right away. Or, and they might or Kelvin meet Benjamin. Sorry, Kelvin, Benjamin. Benjamin. Kelvin Benjamin. Sometimes it just doesn't work. And so that's the reason why you can't assume ceilings. And I feel like we do that sometimes. We sign these players and we go, oh, man, they underperformed, but they're going to bounce back in Buffalo. Okay, well, they might bounce back in Buffalo. And if they did, that'd be great. And it still can be a good signing because the possibility of what they could bring is worth it. It's a value proposition, right? What is the risk versus what is the reward? And if the risk is low, which in the case of Forrest Lamp, it is, and the reward is high because he's a really good athlete. He was well thought of coming out, had some really significant injury problems. So if you have a low risk and high reward, sure, let's do that. But this idea that there's no risk and guaranteed reward, that's not what it is. If that was the case, everybody would have signed him and they would have signed him for a lot of money. But that's not how this works. So I think what you brought up there is a really good point. And the fact that what we do is we assume ceilings. And reality, it's a lot, probably a lot safer to just assume floors and say, listen, if he gives us more than that, that's great. And this is the same stance that I take with Christian Wade and the same stance that I take with Trey Adams. If they give us more than undrafted free agent stuff, then great. But I'm not going to assume that. I'm not going to consider, hey, that needs taken care of. I have Trey Adams. I'm fine. I have right. Christian Wade. I'm fine. I have Forrest Lamp. I'm fine. Absolutely not. I would rather assume that they're not going to be able to make a significant difference and make sure I'm hedging myself. And then if they do, then great. I have Daryl Williams. It's the same thing they did with Daryl Williams last time. They brought him in and they thought Cody Ford was going to be starting right tackle. But Daryl Williams showed out so much in training camp that they moved Cody Ford inside and he became your right tackle. If you have those problems come up, great. It's great problems to have but you can't assume it. So before I went into interior offensive line prospects, I just wanted to amplify that point that you made because it was a really good one. No, you're right. Well, first, thank you again. When Bruce, when Bruce agrees with me, man, it's like Christmas in April. So first of all, thank you, Bruce. <laughs> I feel smart. Uh, but uh, another thing to that point, and then we can move on. I will say just to defend the fan for a moment. I love the fact though, that now as a fan base, we we have that much faith in Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean. It's so much more refreshing than it was in years past when everything was just negative. I, I will say that as far as um, like believing in our coaching staff or believing in the development of players like we believe that it can just happen like, oh, well, you know, we brought Daryl Williams here. We can do the same thing with with Forrest Lamp. You know, there was there was a, a portion of the fan base that didn't dislike the Brian Winter signing. I did. I hated the Brian Winter signing. Um, but I will say it is very refreshing that people are believers of Bill's Mafia and of the come to Buffalo and be the best version of yourself thing. Like, I love that. I love that. So now, okay, but let's, because we went on a huge tangent there. So um, wh- how would you like to address that then? You know, which, seeing what you see now in free agency with what's left and what we have coming up with the draft, Offensive lineman, what do you think? I'll tell you what, I would absolutely love to see either Creed Humphrey or Landon Dickerson in a Buffalo Bills uniform. I understand we're talking end of the first, top of the second kind of players, Mm -hmm. um, but I absolutely think that both of those players would be players that Sean McDermott would absolutely love. I think uh, Creed Humphrey's ability to be that strong upper body wrestler type that Sean McDermott loves. I mean, think about, so, so Creed Humphrey. Okay. 
So Creed Humphrey goes on mission strips and he was a former wrestler. And does any of these traits sound familiar to you? I mean, tell me Sean McDermott's (laughs) not going to love Creed Humphrey. I mean, he's drafting himself. Exactly. So Creed Humphrey is probably a top of the second sort of a player. And he might not be there at 61. Uh, DM three in the, in the comments says he'll be in there in the second. Well, he might be, he might be there in the second. I don't know if he'll be there at 61 because if you look at the center class, if you think Rashawn Slater is a center, then there's a reasonable chance that Creed Humphrey is center two. And most of the time center two in a draft is way off the board by 61. So there's a reasonable chance that depending on how you feel about Landon Dickerson, that a lot of people think Rashawn Slater is a center. So some people think he's a tackle. Some people think he's a guard. Some people think he's a center. But if you think he's a center, then Creed Humphrey might be center two. If you think Rashawn Slater is a tackle, then there's a reasonable chance Creed Humphrey is center one. And center one is very, very rarely on the board at 61, just historically you know, speaking. Just to, not to cut you off, I wish I could be that talented at something in life that I can be like, okay, I'm going to play guard and I'm going to be the best one. No, if I'm going to switch to center, then I'll be the best center. Like, I just, I just want to be good at something to where I can just be like, whatever I feel like playing, I'm better at, you know, I'm better than you. <laughs> just isn't, that what, isn't that what you're doing right now, Jay Spence? No, no. He's like, man, I'm, I'm going to be a podcaster, but I feel like maybe a jump on a live show when I do this. And no. then I'll bring Bruce on. <laughs> I don't even turn my camera on. What the heck? It doesn't even matter. Let's go. You know, no, is see, that I'm what you're doing right now? No, I'm with the goat, man. I, I still got a lot of growing to do. You've been helping me. You've been helping. Hey, I'm here for you, buddy. I'm here yeah. for you. So I think that, that Creed Humphrey is an option. Um, DM3 in the comments points out that Bree, Bean likes to trade up in the second. Bean likes to trade up in general. So I, I love what you Were you all shocked? Were you all shocked that Brandon Bean didn't trade up last year? <laughs> because I was. I was floored. I was floored. I was sitting there on the end of day three going, I mean, he has to, right? Like he has to trade up. There's some sort of compulsive need in Brandon Bean, where if he doesn't, some sort of horrible malfunction happens in his brain and he has to go back to Carolina or something. Isn't that the rule? Like if you don't trade up, you got to go back to Carolina. <laughs> like, And he didn't do it. So I was, I was shocked. I was floored that he didn't trade up. I was absolutely floored. So I wouldn't be shocked if he did it. And one of the things that his free agency strategy does is it gives him the ability to do it if he wants to. And that's one of the reasons why you see him try to plug positional holes and numbers before the draft so that he doesn't find himself going, gosh, I need bodies. Because if he says, gosh, I need bodies, then he's going to be less likely to trade up. He doesn't want to do that. So I do think that Creed Humphrey is a great example of that. Landon Dickerson's a great example of that. Now, Landon Dickerson has very serious medical issues. I mean, this is a torn ACL. This is a lot of medical things. We have a couple people who are Bill's targets who we've been talking about. Landon Dickerson being one of them, Caleb Farley being one of them, Jalen Phillips, who was just mentioned in the comments by Spin0481. These are all players who really probably should be drafted higher. And being able to guess correctly on their medical is going to be a big part of doing this correctly as far as this year goes. So I think Creed Humphrey is an option. Um, Landon Dickerson is is just a, a mean, mean man. He is somebody who I just really enjoy watching his film. I think um, Elijah Vera Tucker is a player that I think will be off the board long before the bill is gone. But I've never a huge trade up in the first round guy because unless it's a quarterback, because you got to give so much assets. But if Elijah Vera Tucker is sitting there in the mid 20s and being where to go get him, I mean, I wouldn't hate it. I would. I mean, I wouldn't be 
thrilled about trading up for an interior offensive lineman, but I absolutely love, I cannot possibly explain to you how much I love Elijah Vera Tucker. It is, it's hard for me to, it's hard for me to explain in words how much I love Elijah Vera Tucker. So I think with those three names, these are, those are your first round high second range-ish interior offensive lineman. If you wanted to address it early, you address it with one of those three players. Okay. And so, and before we hopped on, um, before we actually went live, um, I said, so, you know, cause you mentioned, you gave me this topic and I, I just tried to do some research so I could sound smart in here. And one of the guys I looked at and where I was looking at maybe a second round draft pick was, uh, Trey Smith. Um, so to me, Trey Smith of Tennessee, I think would be an immediate upgrade to John Feliciano. Uh, Maybe Ford, and this is this is kind of where we picked up uh, prior to going live. Is where I was saying that um, you made a point to me last week where it, it made it was like a light bulb came on in my head, and I'm like, yeah, he's right because you, you said you know we we try to give him the, this excuse that well you know they drafted him at right tackle, then they put him at right guard, then they moved him to left guard, then they moved him you know so we try to give him an excuse that he's tried all these different positions, which which is a fair it's a fair. Um, I guess complaint. But the thing is, he hasn't put together a, you know, four, three or four game stretch in any position where we're like, Cody Ford looks good. Like mm-hmm. I don't I can't remember a time in the league where I said Cody Ford looks good. <laughs> so I would I would ask also look to um somebody like Trey Smith um and and see if maybe we could upgrade one of our guard positions there. How do you feel about Trey Smith or do you know much about Trey? I like Trey Smith. The thing I like about Trey Smith is everything that seems to be special about Trey Smith is from the waist up. So if you look at guards and you look at players in general, um, one of the things I've said before is that scouting offensive linemen is a lot like scouting defensive backs. And what I mean by that is you separate out their upper body from their lower body and you scout them independently. So with defensive backs, you're scouting their hips and their feet and their movement. And then you're scouting their hands and their ball skills and their head and all this stuff like that. It's two separate evaluations. And so sometimes, I don't know, maybe I'm the only one who does this, but I'll separate them out when I do that. With Trey Smith, the thing that's interesting to me is I think there's room for him to grow because the upper body is not worrisome to me at all. Unbelievable power, grip strength, his ability to anchor in bull rush is just, he's so strong, but He's real tight in the lower body, like real tight in the lower body, which is amazing to me because he's a converted left tackle. That's the thing that is fascinating to me. You have a converted left tackle who ostensibly should be a little bit lighter on his feet. So that's the thing that gives me a little bit of pause about Trey Smith is can I coach up? You know, can I get the technique better for the lower half of his body? Can I get that? Because if it was something that could be improved on, wouldn't it have looked better when he was a tackle? So mm-hmm. I, I worry a little bit about that. Also, medical red flags. Again, for Trey Smith, he had blood clots in his lungs back in 18 and got on an aspirin regimen. And then they kind of they kind of like popped up again. They flared it up a little bit. So again, another one where medical is going to be really important for Trey Smith. But I love to watch his tape. I do. Because he's one of those players. You hear this from draft analysts all the time. When he gets his hand on you, it's over, right? That's the That's the phrase, right? It really is actually over <laughs> when Trey Smith gets his hands on you. The grip strength is so it's like a vice. Um, you know, I'm a huge MMA guy, right? You know that? Yep. Yep. So one of the things that I think is hilarious is when you watch someone in MMA who is Dagestani, 
one of the things that they practice so much is that their grips and their holds are so strong that sometimes you watch them grab a hold of somebody and the person they're grabbing a hold of is, is almost taken aback by the grip strength. Like, what do you mean I can't move this person? Like, what do you mean I can't I can't get them off me? Like, just get off me. Just I, and you, you're thinking I'm a strong elite athlete. I should be able to break this hold. And all of a sudden, if your arms aren't strong as that guy's hands, <laughs> that's a huge problem. <laughs> and that's what you see with some of these Dagestani MMA grapplers. And that's the kind of thing you see from people like Trey Smith. And that's why it's so much fun to watch him. So he comes with his share of baggage. But to be fair, if he didn't have any of those things, just like these other players we're talking about, just like spin 0481 said Caleb Farley would be the number one cornerback if it wasn't for his back. Goodness gracious, Trey Smith probably go a lot higher if it wasn't for the fact that there are some lower body concerns with him. But you can kind of minimize that if you play him at guard a little bit, especially if you're not going to run as much zone. I think that the type of interior offensive lineman is going to tell us a lot about where the Bills want their future to be at the offensive line. And this is a, a thing we should probably talk about before we move on. If the Bills make a significant investment in the offensive line in the draft, that might tip us off a little bit based on style if they're going to continue down the road of running more zone than man and gap. Because mm. a lot of people thought, well, you know, they they got... They got Forrest Lamp. That tells us something. No, Forrest Lamp doesn't tell us anything. Okay, not a thing. You, you you don't make any sort of you don't make any sort of offensive changes because you have Forrest Lamp. Like that's not <laughs> that's not what you do. Right. Well, Bobby Hart. Well, Bobby Hart's a terrible athlete, so you can't really make any changes at all for Bobby Hart. So, but if you make a significant investment in someone who is stylistically significantly one or the other, then maybe that does tell you something. You know. So if Trey Smith becomes someone you trade up in the third four, for example. If he becomes that player, that might tell us a little bit something about what they plan to do with the offensive running scheme as far as pin and pull and gap and things like that as opposed to the more zone-focused running game that we saw a lot last year. I thought the re-signing of John Feliciano might tell us something, but based on the contract and the fact that he could very easily be a swing interior offensive lineman, then okay, you know, John Herring in the comments says, I'm seriously underrating Forrest Lamp. I'm just not counting on Forrest Lamp. That's all I'm doing. Forrest Lamp mm. was a good athlete. I liked him coming out of college. And I have, I think he's a perfectly good addition. I praise the signing. But you can't bank on Forrest Lamp. You can't well, assume Forrest Lamp. If well, anything you get point. from Forrest Lamp is good, that's good. But the Chargers have one of the worst offensive lines in football last year. And, and they just was, let him walk and nobody wanted him. That was where I was going. The same thing like last year when when we signed uh, Brian Winters. It's like, okay, yeah, this is a good. Listen, the, the Jets had one of the worst, if not the worst, offensive line. Last year, the Chargers did that. That was the area where they were weak. That's why they're improving that for their young quarterback. So we're picking up a guy who was a part of he was a part of a unit that needed to be upgraded. And he was the one that they, he was one of the guys that they decided to let go in order to upgrade. Now I'm not saying he doesn't have the potential to be good. He does. We're not underrating him. He was a second round pick. You don't get drafted in the second round. If you don't show signs of talent, if you, if you don't grade out well, if you don't impress the coaches in interviews and just a, a, a ton of different factors play into you getting drafted in the second round. He's exactly what we, it's our same situation with Cody Ford. Like I mentioned, Cody, we drafted him in the second round, and we thought he was going to come in here and shore up that side of the line, and he did not do it. And that's what happened with Lamp. So, so I don't think we're under 
underestimating him or, or underrating him. I just I just don't think um, or maybe I think that some some of us maybe value him a little bit more <laughs> than we should. You know, uh, we value what we think he can become. That's what we do. Yeah. And what that's I that's- and I agree with you on what I think he can become. I think that the place where I depart from you is the probability of him becoming that. We both acknowledge that there's a ceiling there with Forrest Lamp. We both acknowledge that. I think everybody acknowledges that. However, acknowledging that and then assuming that are two very different things. We both acknowledge the ceiling, but the probability of reaching that ceiling is something. John Herring says Forrest Lamp gave up two sacks coming off a torn ACL. Yes, that's true. Quentin Spain gave up zero sacks in 2019. Sacks given up in a vacuum is not a great way to evaluate offensive linemen. So Quentin Spain was famously Mr. No Sack, and then we cut him, and nobody really blinked an eye because he was a perfectly reasonable offensive player. He was fine. He was fine. Quentin Spain was fine. When they, when they re-signed him, I felt the same way I did with the re-signing of John Feliciano, which is, it's fine. I'm good with it. Yeah. So I don't think interior offensive line is something we can just say, yeah, we're good there. We might be. If everything, if the stars align and Feliciano, another year removed from his injury, is better, and Cody Ford hits a ceiling and Forrest Lamp hits a ceiling, then we're really we're looking pretty good at interior offensive line. But yeah. I'm not counting on any of that. If I'm not counting on any of that stuff. Oh man, if they hit their ceiling, we have an all pro. Every single one of those guys on the line will be all pro because Dawkins, his ceiling to me is all pro. Is he going to get there? I don't know. I hope. Uh, Cody, the the film on Cody in, out of college, every man, I I was excited. I wasn't happy when when we drafted him initially because I wanted I wanted us to go wide receiver that year. Um, but still, I mean, looking at the film, it, yeah, his potential, yeah, we we should have a pro line there, man. We should. Let's switch it up a little bit here because we're still talking about needs that that I guess we're not talking about anymore. Um. Same thing, the trenches. Let's switch it over to the defensive line. I know the interior defensive line um, kind of has some questions. Before I talk about that tackle position, because I do know like that's what we're going to talk about really quickly. Before we went live, I, I was looking at like everything that was trending around the NFL and all that stuff. And I saw that Jadavian Clowney is, uh, it looks like he's having some conversations with Cleveland. And I mentioned to you, like, you know, I really, I know he's not the guy at the top of the list anymore. Like, I know he's not the Clowney that we thought he was going to be, even though he like, Man, he he seems to be like athletically gifted, just like a freak of nature, a freak of God. But he didn't pan out that way. I would love to plug him in. You mentioned that the Bills, you know, appeared to have gone in a different direction with that signing. Um, how would how would you look at Clowney, you know, in this type of team? Or, or you know, are you happy with the move that we made instead of Clowney? We just keep waiting as an NFL organization for Clowney to be something that he's just not. That's what we do. We, we just keep waiting for him to be a consistently dominant pass rusher. And he's just not. I don't think he's ever going to be at this point. He's a perfectly reasonable pass rusher who's always been a perfectly reasonable pass rusher and a very, very good run defender. And that doesn't really line up with our perception of him. And that's one of the things that free agency is all about. Free agency is all about having your perception of yourself as a player line up with some team's perception of you. Not the NFL's perception of you, just one team's perception of you. So what you think you are has to line up with what they think you are. And 
that doesn't happen often for Jadavian Clowney, which is why he always signs so late in the offseason. Because there's an opportunity for him to get money, and he sits on it, and he goes, you know, I'll just wait. I'll just wait. And then so teams go other places, and they fill out their needs, and then he'll sign on the eve of training camp with someone. He'll sign before the draft, maybe, with Cleveland for one year. I mean, does he... Does Jadavian Clowney get out of bed for more than for less than $10 million? I don't know. But Jadavian Clowney for me is always just fine. He's he's a fine player. There's nothing wrong with Jadavian Clowney. He's fine. However, it's never going to line up with that name. That name, Jadavian Clowney, everyone thinks there's something still there. There's something still there. Dude was drafted in 2014. Like at some point, we're here six years in. At some point, it, He's going into year seven of his career. He is what he is at this point, which is a completely reasonable player. But I think F.A. Obadah was better than him last year. I think Quentin Jefferson was better than him in his year of Seattle. He's he's okay. Bruce. Bruce, <laughs> what? Which which part of which part of that is crazy? Which no, part of none that? of it's crazy. None of it's crazy. It's actually the truth. It's just you tend to have these um these moments of truth that that. You know, when you say it, it's like, whoa, buddy. But then you go and look at kind of like your tweet earlier we were talking about. It's like, it's yeah. like, yeah, Josh Allen had the best season this year. The year before was, you know, you said the truth, but people get upset. So, yeah, that was one of those moments, too. Yeah, I, I just I think we just we fall in love with the name. People fall in love with the name with Jadavian Clowney. And I have no problem adding him. I just don't think that Jadavian Clowney thinks he is what the fans think he is sometimes. Yeah. And I don't think that he thinks he is some other organization is going to think that he is. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that's what it comes down to is like being truthful with yourself at that point. Like you have to know who you are. And maybe he knows who he is, but he he knows that he can kind of finesse teams still. Like he's still getting these contracts. So, you know, as long as I can get them, hey, if you're going to pay me like I'm giving you double-digit tax a year, yeah, go ahead and do it. I'll, I'll take it. So, but, okay, so to the questions, back to the topic of the show. Um, so we're talking about defensive line. So now we're going to flip over to uh, defensive tackle. And, and Steve, so bringing up Steve's point, um, didn't Starr's absence show us how needy the Bills are at defensive tackle for this defense to be great? I have, I have a quick point that I would like to make before you, you know, before you give us your expertise on this. So I just, I just jumped off a podcast. I was a guest on the Vince Taylor podcast, which I think it comes out, I believe Wednesday or, or uh, Tuesday. It's going to be a ton of fun. Go and check it out. Um, it was a bunch of us on there talking about draft needs and, and whatnot. One of the things that I mentioned though, when we're talking about the defensive tackle is that, yeah, we did kind of see that we missed star, but I, I, I do think that sometimes we overvalue or we tend to overstate what star was to us. We missed star a ton, but it wasn't like when star was there, we had the best rushing defense in the league. I always I always go back and I talk about how, you know, when we played against the Washington football team, how at the time, granted, it's Adrian Peterson, but he ate us alive in the first half. He had over 100 yards in Orchard Park in the first half of play. There were other games. If I go back and pull up the stats from that year, you will see when Starr was in there, we were still getting beat horribly on the ground. The difference is that Starr actually helped other guys free up to get to the quarterback but we still weren't seeing the numbers that we would like to see as far as true quarterback pressure or sacks and all that stuff. So, you know, I don't know how you feel about that, but to me, I, 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 before we talk about like who we can bring in to develop or to replace star or whatever, 
is that assessment fair to you? Because I just I love Star. I'm a guy that that and you you know I've tweeted out like we miss Star a whole lot more than we want to admit. But in reality, as much as we did miss him, it's not like he's going to come back and and like completely change the defense like just him being on the on the field. Or or am I wrong there? You're not wrong. We miss Star, but it's a little bit like it's a little bit like what I, I talk about all the time when I, I talk about being competitive. So, so people, a lot of times people ask me, you know, Bruce, are you competitive? Like, do you want to win? I said, yeah, I want to win, but I want to win because I'm good, not because you suck, right? There's a different, there's a different path to winning. And in this case, there's an opportunity for us to accept that we miss star, not because star is amazing, but because Harrison Phillips isn't good. Yep. Like we need to have that chat and being able to play at Oliver out of position isn't good. Playing Quentin Jefferson out of position isn't good. Playing Justin Zimmer as a, as a one tech, that's not good either. So, yes, we miss Star, but not because he's amazing, because the other options are bad. <laughs> we, we we look all the way across our roster. And in the, if you're in the comments here, tell me what you think the weakest position group on this roster is right now. And just go ahead and throw it in the comments. And as I'm stalling to hear responses here, I would imagine that a lot of people are going to say the same thing, which is a position that got taken a lot in previous mock drafts, and that's running back. A lot of people are going to tell you that the weakest position on this team is running back. A lot of people are going to tell you that. Vlad says defensive end. And a lot of the argument for a lot of the argument for taking a running back in the first round is it's the weakest position group on the team. I don't think that's true. I think one tech is the def- is the worst position group on the team because you have one person at a position who's passable. That's what you have. One person at one tech who's passable and it's star. Harrison Phillips is not it. Ed Oliver playing one tech is not it. Quentin Jefferson playing one tech was not it. He won't be doing it this year because he'll be playing for a different team. But F.I. Obada, who you just got, I might want to see him at one tech. So <laughs> this is a need we're not talking about. This is a need we're not talking about. And I think we're not talking about it because of what you said. We're not talking about it because Star's coming back. And that's great. Congratulations. You now have one passable player. You went from zero to one. It's a little bit like when someone I really don't like does something cool. And I go, hey, man, you just moved up a notch in my book. That puts you at notch number one congratulations, you're off the bottom now. And that's what star coming back is like. Star coming back is like, congratulations, you now have a passable player at the position. And we went through the entire 2020 season without a passable player at the position. So now you do. And that's great, but now you have one passable player at a position. I think one tech defensive tech, defensive tackle is the worst position group on this team. Hands down. And this is a guy who's pounding the table for corner. Now, that doesn't mean you should invest a first-round pick in one. That's not what I'm saying. If punter is the worst opportunity that you have on your roster, the worst group that you have, that doesn't mean you should spend a first-round pick on a punter either. Right. Because one-tech defensive tackles are not worth first-round picks unless they're elite pass rushers from a nose-tackle position, which is very, very, very rare. Unless you can play one tech and be a dominant pass rusher constantly eating double teams, you know, unless you're Vita Vea, for example, 
maybe someone even a little better than him, you're not worth the first round pick as a one deck. So I don't want to see the Bills take somebody really high to fill that role. But like it's being talked about in the comments, you can get one on the back half of you can get one on the back half of day day two. You can get one in the first half of day three because they're devalued. The reason why people like Tyler Shelvin and the person who you're going to bring up in a minute, the reason why those people are going to go late day two is because it's a devalued position. So that doesn't mean just because I think it's the weakest group on the team, I want to draft it high. But we need to have a real discussion about it being the weakest group on the team because it is. I'm trying to think if I want to call it the weakest group on the team. And and I guess for me, like I, I personally feel that tight end is, and I know we made some improvements and I know people love Dawson. I just, I feel that we've gotten more production, which has sounds bad because you're right. We've had guys playing out of position in, in that, on that D line there, but we, we get, we don't get anything out of that tight end position, man. Like nothing. It, I, I think know. we have, t- I think we have two passable players at that position. Two passable players. I think Dawson Knox is passable. And I think that Jacob Hollister is passable at tight end. And when I look at the defensive tackle position or the one tech, I see one passable player, like one person I want to have on my roster. I'm completely okay having Jacob Hollister on my roster. And I'm completely right, right. okay having Dawson Knox on my roster. And I'm completely okay having Starla Tule on my roster. Harrison Phillips, I will not be interested in re-signing Harrison Phillips when his contract is up. Okay. That's the way that I look at it anyway. How many bodies do you have that you're okay with? And, and Her- yeah, and Harrison's not one. I got you. Harrison's not one of them. Okay. Well, so so um staying true to the topic. So one of the guys that I looked at, and like I said, I just did the, the Vince Taylor podcast. So this was one of the guys that I actually mentioned on there as well. And and he just dropped it. Um, so I thought it was coming out later this week. I just got a notification that he dropped it now. So when you're done listening to the chop up overreaction show, go check it out. Um, but one of the guys that I looked at talking talking on that show was defensive tackle from uh North Carolina State, uh, was Aleem McNeil. I think this guy, listen, he's strong, man. He's athletic, but he's strong. Like, upper body, he, it just seems like he just beats people up. And I would love for the Bills to get somebody like him in the third round. I think I think he'll be there. I think he's um he's definitely, I think he, personally, I think he'll be an upgrade to uh, Star, even though he's young. I don't think he's a guy that's coming in that's going to be a, a, a all-pro or a Pro Bowl player like when we were looking at him. I think he's going to be a starter, though, and I think he's going to be a guy who can absolutely put some pressure on the quarterback, help out with that, that run game or, you know, the defensive run game. I think we need somebody like him. Yeah, I like him. I I wonder a little bit about the size not being quite what I want it to be. Um, I think, I think it was, I think it was Lance Zerline. I think it was Lance Zerline, the NFL.com draft guy who compared him to Kalen Saunders. Do you remember Kalen Saunders coming out? He was a big, big senior bowl guy and he ended up getting drafted by the chiefs. He's been he's been okay. He's been fine. You know, um, I feel Aleem McNeil is that's a pretty good comp for him. And you worry a little bit about someone who's six two three fifteen ish, and you're like, okay, is is he big enough? Right? Is he big enough? Especially when someone who is a little bit, oh, you know, he's not explosive necessarily. He's not overly quick. And so you think, okay, if he's not overly quick and there's some concerns, maybe that maybe he's not big enough, is he going to get caught on reach blocks a lot? 
right? Is he someone who's going to be able to really plug up what you want? Or does he just, just not have the length necessary? Because if you think about it this way, so think about, think about like an either or proposition when it comes to defensive linemen. Okay. Either you have quickness to get out in front of reach blocks, or you have length to stay off them one or the other, ideally both, but hopefully never neither. It's a little bit like when you're evaluating cornerbacks, when you talk about press, you've heard me talk about press chronology, chronology a lot. You, you notice that have you ever noticed I compare everything to blink cornerback? Have you yeah. ever noticed that everything <laughs> I get, there's a reason for that, right? <laughs> there's a reason I compare everything to playing cornerback It's because I am of the opinion that cornerbacks are the best athletes on the field. And I am overly biased because that's where I coached and that's where I played. So I am overly biased toward that. Mm-hmm. However, when you, when you're scouting a corner, right? I, I would like to have good length or I'd like to have incredibly quick feet. Ideally both, but hopefully never neither. It's the same thing with defensive tackle prospects. I'd like you to have really good quickness or really good length, but preferably both and hopefully never neither. The thing that worries me about Aleem is he's very, very strong and that's great and that's awesome. But I worry about the length combined with a lack of quickness. Is he someone who's just going to get stuck a lot? Is he someone who's just going to get stuck? Now he doesn't now he doesn't have the health conditions which is one of the first people we've talked about so far today who doesn't have any health problems that showed up. <laughs> but if you'll notice from Kalen Saunders' NFL career and his trajectory, that's something that has stuck out a little bit with Kalen Saunders. And so John Herring is, is speaking to my speaking to my uh, my greater senses here with I still think corner is the 30th pick here in the in the in the comments I from your lips to God's ears. I have a feeling that if the Bills pick a corner at pick 30, my Twitter is going to light up like a Christmas tree. People are going to go, Bruce, how are you feeling? I'll just put the gif from old school. We're going streaking. I'm hoping it's Caleb Farley. I'm hoping it's Caleb Farley too. But I think that Aline McNeil is one of those possibilities. And if he had elite traits like that, he wouldn't be going at the back half of the second day. So if you want to try and get another passable player, because not every player you pick has an all pro ceiling. Right. That's just not the way it is, but that's okay. And that's fine in the back half of day two. If you get a reasonable starter on the back half of day two, that's a win. So for me, I'm completely fine with, with uh, Aleem there. I'm completely fine with it. Okay. So it it looks like now everybody is going back to that 30th pick. Now it seems like we want to get back to the first round and, uh, and it looks like people are in agreement with us about Farley. So I know prior to us going live, we talked a little bit about your concerns as well as the things that you liked about him. Uh, do you, do you care to give, and I'm sure if anybody listens to, to the Bruce exclusive, you have, you guys have ladies as well, have already heard, um, Bruce's, you know, the things that he loves and the things that he doesn't love about this cornerback. But Bruce, what do you, what do you think about Farley, man? Why would you like for the bills to take him if he's there at 30? I just finished saying that I'd like length or quickness, preferably both, but hopefully never neither. Caleb Farley has both of them. This is a guy with over 33 inch arms. He's Mm -hmm. six, two, and he runs like the wind. This is a guy who reportedly ran in the four twos. And, this is an individual where at Virginia Tech, there is there's a lot of press man played at Virginia Tech. And that's one of the things I've been pounding the table for. He's big, he's long, and he's quick. And those things really, really are a good trait 
when you come to corners. And I think Patrick Sertan from Alabama is more technically refined than Caleb Farley. So I, I made a comment to you that Caleb Farley would probably compete to be CB1 for me if he wasn't didn't have medical issues. I don't think he'd get there because it's hard for me to explain to you how much I like watching Patrick Sertan play football. It's it's difficult for me to, to enumerate that. And this is a guy who doesn't typically run out of words to say, but <laughs> Patrick Sertan, I just want to draw a bath, you know, grab a glass of wine, put on some Patrick Sertan film. It's just a good time. It's a nice way to unwind after a stressful week because it makes me happy. He's not on that technical level. Okay. Not quite like that. However, because there are some fundamentals and technique, but if I take take the physical gifts of a corner like J.C. Horn, okay, if I take those physical gifts and I make him less grabby and give him more of what Joe Marino calls athletic confidence, which is this ability to just know that you can stay in phase and I don't have to grab you, right? Feet then hands, feet then hands. You've heard me talk about this all the time. The less, the less talented you are below the waist, the more effort you have to put in above the waist. Mm -hmm. Because if your feet are wrong, you're going to start reaching and you're going to start grabbing. And again, again, I say this all the time. It's the same thing with offensive linemen. If your feet are messed up, you start reaching and leaning and then you get yourself into trouble. It's the same thing with corners. Feet then hands, feet then hands. This is why chronologically speaking, I always scout the lower half of the player before I scout the upper half of the player. Because how good you are. Football is a game where we spend all of our time looking at the top half of a player when all of the effort goes in the bottom half. That's just the way it is. I don't know why that is. We understand it with quarterbacks for some reason. We're like, oh yeah, footwork, so important to a quarterback. Yeah, it's so important. And then we look at all the other positions and we don't look at the bottom half. Bottom half is where the football game is played. The football game is played. The entire sport is played from the waist down. And Caleb Farley has the foot quickness to be able to say that the length is a benefit, not a crutch. And that's the type of thing I like to see. This is someone who can recognize patterns that are playing out in front of him, although he was primarily a press man guy. And he has perfectly reasonable ball skills, gets his head around in time. This is someone who can stay in phase because he's got the foot speed. I love Caleb Farley, and I'd love to see him at 30 because players like that, if they're not hurt, they don't show up at 30. You don't get a crack at a player like Caleb Farley if he's not hurt. You just don't. So when you're playing in the back half of the first round, you got to do what you got to do. So you, so if he's there at 30, you're you're all in 100% at going to get him. If it's me, yes, absolutely. See, to me, that's the kind of guy. And, and So I feel like if he's there at 30, I feel like if you're Brandon Bean and he's there at like 25, 26, I don't know what you're like. So, so what number is it that's comfortable for you at this point where you're like, okay, there, there's a specific guy. It makes sense for me to move up three or four spots. Like what kind of, is he one of those guys? I don't want to give up. It's about, it's about compensation for me. I don't want to give up a day two pick. Okay. That's what I want. So however high I can move with a one and two fives, I would move there or a one, a five and a seven. Sure but I do not want to give up a two or a three, not in this class, not with this many needs. Don't want to do it. Well, okay. So you say needs what I, I tend to look at this and I think we disagree on this often uh, by our chats. What do you, um, what do you con- really consider a need? I look at this team and, and I know we probably have to do a whole nother pod to say that, but I look at this team as if we don't have many needs or holes. I feel like we have things that we want to upgrade. 
And when, when I hear needs, it makes me feel as if, um, you know, I, I just don't think we have to upgrade everywhere, man. I just don't. I think that you could upgrade right now significantly at CB2, interior offensive line, edge, and nickel right now. Okay. To, and, and this is this is this is just based on fundamentally I'm a different person than you are, right? And we've talked right. about this before, but one of the things people understand when they listen to my show or me on other people's shows is I'm not a risky guy. Right. I, I I don't I don't throw all the you play the numbers. You play the you play the risks in this case. Everybody always thinks they're one player away and they're never a one player away. Ever. No one is ever one player away. Those things don't exist. Teams without needs, they don't exist either. So for me, we just what happens is when we say we don't have needs, what we mean is the narrative isn't currently focusing on that need. Do you remember right after the Bills lost to Kansas City and everyone was losing their ever-living mind on social media saying, we got to replace Tremaine Edmonds, we got to replace Taron Johnson, we got to replace Mario Addison, we got to replace like oh, we got to replace Levi Wallace, we got to do all this stuff, right? And then what happens is the Bills make a run in the offseason, in the, sorry, in the postseason, they make a run in the postseason, and we completely forget Completely forget about all that stuff. Taron Johnson has two pick six, and we're like, yeah, ready to christen the guy now. But all that <laughs> stuff was still true. The guy got benched for an undrafted free agent from the University of Buffalo. The, you know, th- this idea that we we can afford luxury picks. I don't think you can ever afford luxury picks. There isn't a team in the world who I'm going to be okay with with luxury picks. And we specifically spent time today talking about needs. And to me, a need is somewhere where there's a reasonable probability you can upgrade. You can you can upgrade there. Now, if you if you can say, well, we could upgrade, but it'd be tough, then that's not a need. Mm-hmm. I would say quarterback is not a need for this team because right. could you upgrade from Josh Allen? Probably. Probably I mean, he's not the best quarterback in the history of the league, right? Yeah, you sure you could upgrade from Josh Allen. But is it likely you can upgrade from Josh Allen at this point? Probably not. Josh Allen played really, really well last year. Like based yeah. on the QB stew composite, he was the second best quarterback in the league. I mean, that's is you're probably not going to upgrade from Josh Allen, right? But could you upgrade from Harrison Phillips reasonably? Sure. Could you upgrade from AJ Klein reasonably? Yep. Could you upgrade from Taron Johnson reasonably? Yep. Could you upgrade from Cody, Cody Ford? Yep. How about John Feliciano? Yep. So, you know, could you upgrade from Mario Addison? Yeah, I think you could. Like all these things, could you upgrade with a day one or a day two pick? Yes, probably. So that's to me, those things count as need. I think it's really, it's a definition of the word need. Yeah, I was going to say maybe I think it's just the way that we're we're um, interpreting the, the the term need because to me I don't think that the team has needs. I think we have areas that we can improve in. Like especially if you want to beat the Chiefs, then yeah, we we have areas we have to improve. To your point about how everybody was freaking out after the game, it was like, wait, calm down, calm. Down. <laughs> like we 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 got to relax. Let's let's um let the emotion pass. Let's watch the film. <laughs> let's let's woosah. And then I agree with John. He said Taron Johnson was bad most of the year. Listen, I'm I'm one of the main guys who I try my hardest not to beat up on the player because first of all, they're professional athletes. I'm not out there playing. I'm not out there getting hit and beat up. So I, I, there's no way I'm going to act like I, I can perform better. But I have an expectation of the team. And to me, Johnson, to me, Levi Wallace, there were moments that he played better, but they just didn't do it for me. So am I happy that we were able to get Levi back on a, on a very team-friendly deal? Yes. I am happy. Am I happy that Johnson is still on the team and we have continuity on defense and all that stuff? Absolutely. 
Would I like to get another cornerback in who can either push them to be better or who can potentially be better than them? Sign me up 10 times out of 10, Bruce. Sign me up. I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready to sign you up. I, I'll, you know what? I'll email you the contract. And you know what? <laughs> Doc, you sign me up. Doc, Doc you, you sign, sign me, me up. <laughs> That's right. I will email you the contract. And you can just go ahead and just, you know, click the thing and then just email it back to me and I'll just I'll, I'll go ahead and submit it to the Buffalo Bills. I'll, I uh, maybe I'll tag uh, them on Twitter or something. I'm sure they'll pay attention, right? I think that's the, that's going to be the name of the show. DocuSign me up. DocuSign me up. That's right. I like that. That's good. Let's do it. Yeah, that's perfect. That's a perfect one. So before we get out of here, man, we got we got about five minutes before we go. Um, so I, I guess we could take one quick question. Um, give us a good one, guys. We, we, we did a lot of talking. I feel like there was something that we were talking about prior to coming on that we said we wanted to touch on that we didn't quite get to. It was the and, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield thing that CBS Sports tweeted. Oh, that's going to take so long. <laughs> yeah, there's no way we can do that in five minutes, dude. Absolutely yeah, no yeah. way. Okay, yeah. So we'll we'll say we have a topic about Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson that we want to talk about. We cannot do it tonight because if so, we'll be on here for another hour. And I know Bruce has a lot going on that does not include Jay Spence the King. So we are going to get on out of here. Let's uh let's take one quick question, though. Let, let's take one. Um, there wasn't one that I, I picked. Did you see one that you would like to do? <laughs> well, Spin wants to know, what would you do for a Klondike bar, Bruce? <laughs> oh, man. What would I do for a Klondike? Oh, that's a, that's a great question. What would I do for a Klondike bar? Um, so I like the original Klondike bars quite a bit. I don't like the mint Klondike bars. So it, I think yeah. I need, you know, I need a clarification uh, on on that. What draft pick is worth a Klondike bar, Grant says? That's a, that's a really, really good point. I would trade... Oh, I'd probably trade a seventh round pick for a Klondike bar, depending on how hungry I was at the time. I do like Klondike bars overall, but dude, I don't know. Have you guys ever been to like a theme park in the summer? Tell me that Klondike bars at those places don't hit just differently. They just hit differently. The ice cream at the theme parks. You guys remember Dippin' Dots when you were a kid? You remember Dippin' Dots? Dippin' Dots was supposed to be the ice cream of the future. Well, here we are in the future, and I, I don't see it anymore. I think I got <laughs> lied to by Dippin' Dots. But that stuff just hits differently, man. It hits differently when you're at a theme park. It it's does, and I'll tell you what. Kind of thing. If you haven't tried it, everybody, please go out and try the Heath Bar, Klondike Bar. I'm telling you right now, you will not regret it. You will love me forever. You will love Jay Spence the King forever if you try it. Promise. No, John, I would not train Dane Jackson for a Klondike bar. I think that there's absolutely a, not. I think there's a chance Dane Jackson is a slightly upgraded version of Levi Wallace. And if that's the case, then he's a perfectly rosterable player. And if I guarantee myself a perfectly rosterable player, then I don't I, that that's to me not worth a Klondike bar. Well, I like Dane anyway. I think that I think he could potentially end up as a as a very, very important part of this team. So um, I, I would not trade him for a Klondike bar because I can literally just run to the store and grab a box of them for five eighty nine. So I'm keeping Dane. I'm keeping Dane. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for hanging with us this evening. Bruce, why don't you give everybody a, a, a chance to, to find you? Let everybody know where they can find you and your content. Folks, thanks so much for being here. I really appreciate it. I appreciate the engagement in the comments section. I love it. I absolutely love it. Thank you for being here. Thanks for doing everything that you do. Uh, my name is Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. And my show, The Bruce Exclusive, drops every Thursday and Friday 
on the Buffalo Rumblings podcast network, along with some smattering of other things. You know, I do a live show that pops up on Thursdays on Locker Room. Um, at some point, I imagine I'll probably do a live show here on YouTube and Facebook and the Vidcast network. And you might find me around, you know, fiddling, dabbling here on the Hump Day Hotline on Wednesdays or the Chop Up or the Overreaction. You know, I, I, I dabble. So I appreciate you guys being here. And, and Spence, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Man, thank you for doing it. I always enjoy um, talking to you. And now the, the more I talk to you, I feel that I'm getting smarter. And I really mean this. I'm not joking this time when I'm saying this because you're agreeing with me more and more and I'm not running things by you in advance. So it's like I'm not cheating. Like before I used to send it like, hey, Bruce, how do you feel about this? So that way I knew I was going to get it. Yeah, that works. Now I'm just we're talking. I didn't talk to you all day and you agree with me twice and I'm on it, man. I'm on it. So. Ladies and gentlemen, you know I'm Jay Spence the King. You can find me on Twitter at Jay Spence the King. Like Bruce, my podcast comes out on the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. Tomorrow night will be the uh, – not good grief, it's Sunday, and I'm talking like it's going to be Wednesday. Tomorrow night will be the Code of Conduct. I will have a special guest. Um, I'm not going to announce who that is because I don't like to do it without confirmations, but I know for sure I'll be there. So see me tomorrow night, 9 p.m. Eastern time. Everybody, do me a favor and subscribe. If you're still here, subscribe to this YouTube channel for me. We got a lot coming up. Shout out to my guy, Joe Miller, who we are filling in for tonight. We will see him on Wednesday night. Everybody, take care of each other, love each other, and live in peace. And as always, stay positive and test negative. Go Bills. Code of conduct.